hello and welcome to Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. My name is Bianca Woolwick and I'm the host. I interview my friends and people that inspire me to figure out if they have the key to life and they feel successful or feel like they don't fit in like I do. Anyway, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hey everyone, I just wanted to do some housekeeping before we hop into the episode this week. I am so grateful for all of your support. Thank you so much. Um, And I will continue to release episodes every Monday at 9 a.m. Pacific. However, I am going to start releasing bonus episodes as things are timely. I've had an incredible opportunity to interview people all over the world. So I want to share as many of these episodes as possible. So if something feels timely and I compare it to a previous interview that I've had, I will release it. Um, So look for those bonus episodes on Friday. um, And thank you everyone for all of your support. Please like, share, comment, tell a friend, etc. And if you want to be a guest, as always, just email pdkmopodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, and I hope everyone enjoys this episode. My guest this week is Joanna Vargas, a mover and shaker based in Los Angeles, California, who is doing some really amazing things right now. So I'm excited to share this interview. So let's just hop on into it. Hey, how's it going? Oh, it's great. Bianca, I'm so excited to be here. I know. I'm so excited for, you know, for my listeners to get to know you. Um, It's really Uh, awesome to connect with you. So to my listeners, this is Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. And the lovely, excited voice you are hearing on the other end is Joanna Vargas. So Joanna, what's your elevator pitch? Who are you? Your 30,000 foot overview, what you do, etc. I am a Gen Xer Latina, born and raised in Los Angeles, California. I am a serial born entrepreneur. I've always been an entrepreneur at heart. I've never worked in corporate and I've owned a dance studio, a fitness studio, dance competition, and I also produce a 5k and 10k. I enjoy creating businesses. I enjoy leveling up people and I enjoy the elite level mindset And I love that your podcast is about imposter syndrome because I think that overall in our lives, it's just a journey of how to navigate and dance through the ability to be able to navigate that. And uh, so I'm excited to get jump into that. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, let's just hop into it. Um, and um, everything that you do, I'm like listening to that. And I'm like, wow, so inspiring. Um, <laughs> personally, it's been like a really weird journey for fitness for me. Like mm. I have the Peloton bike and that is my like cool, like I drank the Kool-Aid. Like that is my favorite thing in the world. <laughs> you drink I, I truly like, it is, yes. it is a cult. But I heard it's amazing. But I heard it's just, I'm just yeah. like, that's kind of my foyer into dance. Um, I mean, cardio, they had some dance classes at the beginning of this pandemic. And I'll tell you what, I still have two left feet. Um, I cannot do it, but it was really fun. So I, I do love, um, I grew up dancing. So I definitely love to you know get to know you and your story. So 
we'll just hop into the elephant in the room, which is of course imposter syndrome. And mm -hmm. the first question I always like to ask resoundingly seems to just have the same answer. Um, but do you feel like you have it all figured out? Oh, heck no. <laughs> heck no. <laughs> right. And Bianca, if I do, I'd be bored to death. That's part of life. That's part of the journey. That's part of the excitement of life is actually the journey and getting there. If we had everything that we wanted all at once, we'd be freaking bored to death. So no, I don't have it figured out. I love that because you immediately hit the nail on the head where like, if you had it all figured out, that would be such a boring life. Like I would be inherently wary of someone who's like, I have the key to life and I'm content. It's like, no, that's not how that works. Cause your goalpost keeps moving. Absolutely. Right. It's like Yoda. Yoda was amazing, but he didn't, even if he didn't have it all figured out. Okay. That's a tongue twister. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So, um, as you know, you're, you're a creative person, you're a business owner. Um, so do you feel like you fit in or suffer from imposter syndrome in what ways and what does imposter syndrome mean to you? You know what? I always felt like this that word imposter syndrome, like I never really got it until one time I'm like, oh, I get it. I think I just experience it in a different way. Mm -hmm. um, I'm pretty confident in that era where I'm like, no, I, I know what I'm doing, but you know what, Bianca, then I'm also BSing myself. And I'm not sure if I can curse here. You oh, you can curse. I don't care. Okay, cool. Add the little E. But I'm like, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I'm just actually bullshitting myself because yeah. I've been hiding. So I was lying to myself. And the biggest thing, Bianca, I think that, you know, we're taught not to lie as young kids, right? At least I was like, tell the truth, don't lie. And it's interesting because we actually lie. And the person that we lie to the most is ourselves. But we buy these lies. We buy that we're actually not as an imposter, right? So I bought the lie that I wasn't an imposter. And then one day I was sitting in a workshop and I'm like, oh, I get it, dude, I totally have this. So what it means to me is that I'm BSing myself. I think mm -hmm. I'm good. I think I'm like pretty confident, fill in, you know, X, Y, Z. I'm like, I got this. But then yet, why haven't I pulled the trigger, so to speak, to do something? And I right. keep waiting and I keep waiting, but I'll pull the trigger somewhere else, but I won't do it in another arena. Mm -hmm. So what I've noticed for myself is that I have imposter syndrome in certain areas of my life. So I'm actually able to lie to myself to think that I don't have it, but it's just that I don't have it in, in certain arenas. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where the journey comes in for me and the excitement of like, oh, I'm still discovering. I don't have it all figured out because I had a dance studio. I was like, 24 years old, Bianca, when I opened yeah. up a dance studio. Wow. Imagine a little 24-year-old. <laughs> oh, you know what oh I mean? Like, gosh, I remember my 20s. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I was like that dorky and like didn't have it all figured out, but I was such like a, a, like a badass chick. Like, I'll figure this out. I got this. Uh, I didn't have the imposter syndrome. However, I had it in other areas of my life. Maybe it came with relationships and with men and with family and things of that nature. So I would turn the tables around and I would show this off instead and go, hey, look at what I've done. Look at my success, where it allowed me to hide behind my imposter syndrome in other areas. Yeah. And for me, imposter syndrome, for what I'm discovering, Bianca, is love. I'm noticing that I fake that I'm that I don't need a hug, that I don't need a man, that I don't need, you know, whatever it is. And actually I'm like a little five-year-old girl that is craving to be held, to be loved, to be caressed. And especially in this quarantine, I'm like, oh my gosh, I just want 
hugs. And that's <laughs> what it means to me. And uh, so that's in a nutshell. Yeah, that is um, awesome. And I, I can relate in so many ways. So I, I've always advocated for mental health and therapy, and I'm now going to that. So to, to talk to your, that, that need of, that need of wanting to be held, that, that little girl part of you, I'm unlocking some deep shit. <laughs> and it's, and it's, um, it's been a, a whirlwind, but it's been interesting to go back in my psyche and date my feelings. Like, yeah. like this feeling has this age, I was eight or nine or 10 or whatever. Um, so that's been really interesting. But also, um, I am a military spouse, and so my husband is gone right now. He's, mm-hmm. which, I mean, he'll be back in a, you know, he'll be back. But then he's back, and then he deploys. And like during this pandemic, I started out with him being gone, and I was dealing with that on top of losing my career. Um, by, by being laid off that effectively ended my marketing career. And I was so proud of myself for finally becoming this marketing director. I thought, Oh gosh, if I get here, if I get there, then I'll have it all, you know, and Mm. my career, I'll have that. I had that title. I remember getting my business cards and feeling so grateful (laughs) and look at what I did and I made it, I did it. And then, and then every day I'd be like, today is the day. <laughs> today I'm gonna be happy. The, yeah, to, no, but today they're gonna find out that I just don't belong here, oh, and I, I'm not good at what I not good at what I'm gonna do. But I will tell you what, getting laid off was the best thing that's ever happened to me. This pandemic, while it's really shitty in general, has the best thing that truly could have happened to me for me. This is this year is you know we can't do a whole lot of things, but this year has for me has been amazing because I've done this deep introspection and I. Like, you know how you said you pulled the trigger, you could pull the trigger yeah. here and, and those kinds of things. I was telling myself I couldn't do a podcast. I wanted to be a podcast guest. I wanted someone to look at me and want me to be a podcast guest. And finally, I just pulled the trigger and did it. I had no idea what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing, but I'm faking it. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Killing it. <laughs> yeah. And it's funny because the very podcast about imposter syndrome brought so much imposter syndrome, but I'm now at a point yeah where I feel like I'm moving and shaking and I'm doing things that are so authentic to myself. And I think that that's kind of what I've been realizing with imposter syndrome is the more you do things that you don't believe, you don't believe in, like that's when you feel it the most because your bot, your, your psyche is telling you like, Hey, this isn't like truly you. Um, like that job, that was this job, that job clearly wasn't right for me. Right. So so yeah, I, I like kind of the ways in which you've approached it, and it's it's definitely interesting to hear everyone's individual take on it. And I think the terms imposter and syndrome are such heavy words that people mm. get afraid to say that they have it. And so that's a lot of times my friends or people that listen to my podcast will say like, "I'm 50 years old. I never knew this. This was the name for this mm. feeling." I like that you brought that up because that's exactly like I said, I'm like, I don't have that. Like those words were so big. And you know, as it's, as we're having this conversation, what's coming up for me is that what I've been learning lately is that 100%, 99.9% of the crap that we feel is not ours. Like Mm -hmm. it's actually everything around us as human beings, we're the most, gosh, like 
most advanced machines on this planet, our bodies, right? We feel everything, we can hear, we can taste, we can touch, we can love, like we could do so many things as a human body. And most of the things that we feel and that we're picking up aren't ours. Like, you know that feeling when you walk in a room, Bianca, and you could like, you just know what's going on. Mm -hmm. you, you could feel people's, if they're in a bad mood, you don't have to say anything. It's kind of the same thing, which, which I've been discovering is like, half of this crap isn't mine. And it's right now with the pandemic, all this stuff's going on on the planet. So I think the anxiety has lifted for so many human beings and which everybody else is feeling. So if, especially if you're in, stuck in a room with somebody or in a house, that anxiety is going to go up. The imposter syndrome is going to go up. And uh, so that's a little side note. Yeah. Oh, I, I definitely agree. I mean, um, for my therapist, like shout out to Justina. <laughs> every, every <laughs> week, just shout, I don't know if she listens, probably not HIPAA. Um, but, uh, I, she told, she's told me that like, you know, and also the, the company that she works for, there is a, a like an uptick right now because people have time. So they're able to, you know, take this time for themselves and, you know, if they have something they need to do to take care of it. And, mm -hmm. and that's the kind of stuff that I like is the people that are like taking this time to be creative or give something back to the world or be more generous or, yeah. or, you know, help in systemic racism. I mean, all of these things yeah. that are happening are not all bad. And that's like the biggest thing right now. And I guess like if I could go into like what's currently going on with me, the only time, the only place I have imposter syndrome right now is that I feel like people judge me because I'm not hopping back into work. Mm. And there's this feeling of, well, you're unemployed. So you have all this time on your hands. And I'm like, I don't, I really don't. <laughs> I, don't. I am so big. Like I've never been busier and I yeah. can't go anywhere. Like I've never, I truly like, I dedicate so much time and energy to this podcast. And I also have a full virtual friend group and I have, you know, obligations to the wardroom that my husband's, my husband's ship and we're getting ready to deploy. I mean, there's a lot of things that I'm doing that of course I'm not making any money from it, but I also you know, I, I, I never stopped. That hustle drive didn't go away just because monetarily my job went away. But yeah, absolutely. It's interesting how so many people's opinions, thoughts, judgments, again, like we'll take on, we buy it. We buy it like clothes. We buy it like, like things. So I always say, this is not mine. Like I bought that lie. I might've bought it yesterday. I might've bought it when I was six years old and I'm like, I'm still carrying it. I'm like, dude, this shit ain't mine. I just bought it. It's time to return it. It's time to take it back. It's just like if I bought something at Target, right? And I don't yeah. want it and I return it. <laughs> An actual piece of item is the same thing as buying somebody else's judgment or opinion. It's like, cool, it's just theirs. I don't, but the moment I buy it yeah. and I make it mine and I take it on and now I'm wearing it like a cloak of you know, armor around me, that's when I live in purgatory and feeling like crap because I yeah. just bought their judgment now. And I think that's what has helped me. I know that's what has helped yeah. me become more resilient is learning this tool. And I call them tools. Everything in life is just a tool. We just keep yeah. going through life and putting more tools in our, on our tool belt, like a little superwoman or superhero and that's all I keep doing and one of my tools is knowing that this shit is not mine it's yours that's cool and I'm gonna give it back to you but the moment I buy it oh 
That's when I know it feels ugly. It feels heavy. I'm like, shit, I just bought some crap. Yeah. So I was watching the news or I was watching some movie and I bought that opinion because I saw it. I took it on and now I feel horrible. <laughs> and so I think that's the imposter feeling for me too. Yeah. And, and it, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm an empath. And so I tend totally. to, gosh, <laughs> I, I, I mean, there. <laughs> It's almost like I'm like Plato and everything like everything I touch like everything I touch and experience like gets globbed onto me. And there was oh, a yeah. time at the beginning of this pandemic where I had to like tell people I can't take on more anymore. Like I yeah. like I know you're sad and you're bored and you're frustrated but like I am an empath and I'm going to explode. Like I can't take your shit right now. And I had to like stand up for myself and start being with better with boundaries and 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 so yes, like so many things have happened that I just feel so much more confident in myself and who I am. Um, I'm proud of who I am for the first time in my life. I, mm -hmm. uh, well, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm finally seeing the, the things that my husband sees every single day in myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm realizing that like complete strangers who I talk to for this podcast are seeing my authentic self and they love it. And that is, the first time I've ever felt like I can just be who I am and not worry about the judgment. And also I like that idea of returning things that are not yours. Um, I'm trying, you know, I, I'm very into body positivity. I know I'm never going to have a stick thin body. I'm, you know, I'm built like Bobby Hill uh, and that's okay. <laughs> and I'm okay with that. My Peggy Hill, Bobby Hill ass body. I am okay with that. But yeah. I read this book from Nicole Byer. Um, Cause I have a, I have a pretty open backyard. I've got like a inflatable pool right now. And at first I was kind of like afraid to like get this pool because like my this apartment complex next to my house that we own, um, prop, like, like they could see in. And then I was like, fuck it. Look at, look at my body. I'm going to shit. Like, honestly, yeah. like the, the beach is going to get whatever body I give it. And I'm not going to stop eating tacos for any, anyone. <laughs> tacos are the best. But also, you know, Peloton is, Peloton has taught me to love my body a lot more and that my body is capable right. of so many things. So, um, but yes, Nicole Byer has this book called Very Fat, Very Brave, um, which is the fat girl's guide to wearing a bikini. And it is a, somewhat of a picture book, but just a really yeah. fun read. It's actually really, really good. And, um, fun. yeah, so I, I've definitely kind of taken a page from that book and I'm like, Hey, like if my body offends you or if something about me offends you, that's a you problem. That's not a me problem. Yeah. Like again, yeah, that's their, exactly. are you going to buy it? The moment you buy it and go, Oh, this is the definition of a, what you're supposed to look like. That's exactly like return. It's not mine. That's just totally yours. And oh, yeah. Bianca, I like that you brought up that you're an empath because I've been, double downing on speaking about this because it's not something that we talk about mm -hmm. as often. It's not, you know, dinner conversation with most people because in my opinion, the, uh, creatives and visionaries and people of that nature that want to do podcasts and then, and that are not the nine to fivers and people of that nature are usually more empathic than, you know, than the logical person. Yeah. 20% so mm -hmm. of the population is actually empathic more yeah. than pretty much all of us are, but 20%. So Bianca, two out of 10 people in a, mm -hmm. in a room is highly empathic and we turn it off as young kids. We're taught, you know, that, oh, there's, there's nothing there. What you're feeling is, you know, ignore it. And that's how, what I was taught when I was a young girl. Yeah. But I like that you brought that up. You yeah. know, people listening are 
you know, they have nobody to talk to about that. Yeah. And not only that, but like boundaries are so important for, you know, totally. as you get older, yeah. um, in being able to have boundaries and the people that don't like the boundaries are the ones that just need the boundaries in the first place. And, and that mm-hmm. is a tough thing to learn, but it's also, um, a really healthy thing to, to be able to be like, I only have this much space and this much time. Um, my therapist has taught me to also like, if something can somewhat be stressful, like don't open the door for it. You say, I have 15 minutes to dedicate to this. Like what's like, what do you need from me? And, and I've, I've been a lot better about asking people when they come to me, cause people come to me for advice a lot. Um, I don't know why, <laughs> but, but, uh, I think it's because I've lived a lot and I'm pretty strong as a person. I think that people are drawn to people who took their trauma and turned it into something beautiful, you know? So mm-hmm. So I find that people will come to me for advice and where I've had to set up boundaries is where I've given repeat advice. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so I, it's all been an interesting journey and um, definitely a fun kind of year, I guess. I don't know. It's, it's just been, I, I don't look at this negative, neg- negatively. Like I feel like I'm blessed in so many ways and I'm grateful in so many ways. And I just feel really good right now. But I like that I can have these conversations about imposter syndrome with everyone all over the world, all walks of life and every, it means something different to every single person. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. So imposter syndrome and success and having it all figured out, those are kind of this like bell curve, so to speak. So they're very similar. So uh, what looks like success to me might not be success to you. So Mm -hmm. what does success look like to you? And do you feel successful? Oh, success to me is happiness, happiness and fun. I truly believe that the purpose of being a human on this planet is to have fun. Like, you know, when they say, what's the purpose of life? I really think it's to have fun and to be happy and how simple that sounds. And am I successful? I would feel the answer, I would say pretty much yes. And I describe it like this, almost like a typewriter. And if we remember typewriters, but you know, when you're typing and then it moves to the right and then when you get to the end, it'll go cling and it'll go back. I kind of see life that way where we'll have moments of good. Oh, we kind of fall a little bit. We'll have a moment of, Oh, we feel better. And then we fall a little bit. But as long as I don't go too far to the right or too far to the left, I think it's, it's a little more stable, so to speak, because I've learned that I can go so, so high or so, so low. And the, the typewriter going right to left is way too big. So I see little rights and lefts like, okay, go to the right. Okay. Mm. Go to that boat, something, somebody said something, I felt a little off, come back. And so to me, that is happiness. I don't think we could ever be happy all the time. Like I said, if we had everything all at once at the beginning, then we would be bored to death. So I'm, I'm pretty happy, I think. And you know what? I love this conversation because I'll, you know, I'll be at a bar somewhere, you know, you're having, you know, just conversation at a bar and I'll ask somebody, how happy are you? And it, you'll, you're going to see people, they don't know how to answer that question. It's like a really like, what do you mean? I go, just how happy are you? Level one to 10. What would you actually say how happy you are? And scale of one to 10, how happy do you think most people are on this planet? Like give it to you know, and it's just a cool, there's no right or wrong, right? It's just to see, what do you think? Uh, do you think people are really, really happy or do you think they're faking it? Uh, because I've worked with so many people for the last 25 years. I've been in the service industry. I've worked with kids. I've worked with mostly moms and um, females. 
And what I've discovered is that I would say they're around a six, five or six of happiness, but I think they think they're at an eight, mm. you know? And, uh, but I think they think they can get it from outside in. Like you said earlier, once right. you have that job, the marketing job, you're going to feel better. You're going to do this or whatever. Once I have this, and I think with fitness and with dance, uh, when they wanted to learn dance, when they wanted to get in shape, things of that nature, they were doing it because I'm going to feel better mm-hmm. when I look mm-hmm. like this. Going back to that book and wearing the mm-hmm. bikini, if you lose all that weight, are you going to be happy? What comes mm-hmm. first, the chicken or the egg? And I believe that happiness comes first and the weight will come off later. But what we try to do, Bianca, is take the weight off first happiness yes. in a second. And it actually doesn't happen that way. And that's why 98% of people actually gain the weight back. 98% yeah. because they go body first and they do mind next. But if you do mind first, happiness first, even though the shit is falling down, then things will actually turn upside down again or turn right side up. Yeah. So that's amazing. And also I I agree that success to me doesn't have to be linked to happiness. I love the question, how happy are you? And I immediately, I was like eight. And then I was like, wait, probably actually six. (laughs) But um, as far as um, as happiness and people and, and then kind of this thing, if I can like relate it to me, like the, the, the feeling of outside validation to make you feel good on the inside, that I think mm. is something that is very hard to unlearn. It's something that I'm still a, I'm a human. I'm unlearning that. But, um, you know, I kept being like, if I had this job, if I have that job title, if I can prove, I can prove that I've earned it. I can look at my successes, you know, look, look at how successful I am. And now I'm realizing that, um, you know, it's just better to be happy. It's better to choose happiness. It's better to wake up every day and feel grateful. Like I would, I, it was almost like I would silo parts of my life. Like my marriage is perfect. Like, you know, my marriage, I'm happy with my marriage. I'm happy with my husband. I'm, you know, I'm happy with this like Peloton thing I do. I'm happy with this. Mm-hmm. I'm happy with my job in small doses, but towards the end of me being at my previous position, I wasn't happy. I was starting to feel like I was being taken advantage of. I was starting to feel stressed out. I fully had a mental breakdown in February and just like sobbed in the bathroom. And that was, that was not me because that that was just not me. And it was just, it was almost like I had everything, but yet I couldn't be happy. And it, it, I don't know what the shift was, but now it's like I, me in February and January and February, God, I mean, I was like depressed and I'm like, well, was that linked to the fact that I just wasn't in the right fit? I wasn't doing what my soul was telling me I needed to do. And, and I don't know. Like, so now I'm just like, wow, I don't even know that person anymore. Yeah. What a gift that all this happened. Right. Yes. Thank Ooh. you. Please lay me off everyone. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm highly employable though. No. Um, but it's oh, also I... actually, it's also actually made me realize that marketing is always going to be part of my career. Like I'm very good with branding. I'm very good with my own brand. I, I'm, I'm glad I have those skills, but this isn't what's serving me like marketing for others. No, like I want to help others. And um, so one thing I've kind of been toying around with is in the future, um, I had a guest and he was a life coach and he was like, you would be really good for the spousal community. Like as a career coach for the spouses in your community since they're so underserved. Oh. And I was like, oh yeah, like I actually would really like to do that because 
there is a feeling of loneliness as a military spouse. It doesn't matter what branch, it doesn't matter what rank your husband or spouse or significant other is. It's this feeling of if you've never had a tie to the military in any way, shape, or form, whether it be family, friends, or a loved one, you just don't get it. <laughs> you don't understand it. And unfortunately, employers fully do not understand it. They, there's a sense of feeling temporary. There's a sense of... Um, not wanting to mention that you're a spouse in an interview because, but then there's this feeling of, Oh God, like, but then I'm, I'm, I'm lying. I'm lying. I have to tell them. So, yeah. So it's hmm. something that, um, I've just been kind of thinking about during this pandemic as I'm kind of watching all these questions pop up in groups that I'm in and, mm -hmm. and stuff. And I'm like, man, there is just no definitive guide, no one to help them. Mm -hmm. Your compass is totally leading you there, right? Yeah. Like that's one thing I got from this pandemic is my compass has been leading me to certain places, but it took this pandemic <laughs> and a, an apocalypse, we're calling it, yeah. for me to change my whole life and to make huge changes yeah. and uh, choices that I wouldn't have made before because I was fighting my compass. Yeah. And you know, when you have a compass, it kind of shakes a certain way and you're like, where's North or whatever. And it'll mm -hmm. shake towards that way. And I could feel it shaking. It was whispering, but I didn't want to listen to it. And I think exactly. that's the imposter syndrome coming in. Like, no, I know better. Uh, Joanna, no, you don't. The mm -hmm. compass is telling you to go this way and you're in the forest trying to go the other way, thinking you know better than the compass. And so you telling that story kind of reminds me yeah. I'm thinking of myself where I was in a similar January, February feeling like what the heck and what a gift that this came. Honestly, <laughs> like I, it's, it's incredible. The amount, like I was saying, the amount of like personal work I've done on me where and it's just crazy. Cause I've just had the time to sit with my thoughts and be like, all right. <laughs> like, I mean, it's okay. So this is like the pandemic. My husband was gone when it all started. I got laid off. I filed for unemployment because I paid into it. So I will definitely collect because you laid me off. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I filed for unemployment and then I started this podcast and then I just kind of kept doing this podcast and uh, just no one's told me to stop. And then, um, you know, I sit on a board of directors for an LGBTQ um, organization that helps youth homelessness in San Diego. So I've been working on that. And then I, I help with my uh, community's improvement council. So I've been working on that. I'm trying to secure a wall right now for the Black Lives Matter movement in Lemon Grove featuring a West Coast artist. His name is Giovanni and he's called Just Inspire um, because there's also a movement of Spray Their Name, which started in Denver. I'm from Denver. So I, um, I've been working to try and get this procured basically. So I'm very much like, ah, this has to happen. Um, and then all of this is happening. I ended up losing my dog, my senior dog. I had to, he had to be put down and then we got a puppy. <laughs> so, and I had people tell me that like, this is not the time to like get a puppy. And I was like, well, what, a, what else am I doing? Like nothing. So again, see, here comes these opinions. This everyone's, is not the everyone's opinion's stupid. <laughs> and another thing I've done that has been really helpful for me is I've weeded out a lot of toxicity from my timeline, from my friend groups, from my close-knit circles, because I just, I'm realizing more and more, I can't deal with people's negativity. Like, stop sitting in your own shit. Like, I can't do it. Like, it's just... Because I, I feel like I'm on this high, this plane, and, and I'm not saying I'm so great or anything like that. I just feel like I've got it figured out to a point where I'm just generally happy.
Yeah. And I, and I just, right, it, right, I right. can't be that mm-hmm. for other people. They have to do that themselves. And it's hard it's work. Choice. It's yeah. hard work to make that choice. You know what I realized through this pandemic or whatever you want to call it, right? It is that friends or people around me have been like either flowers or weeds. Yes. And the flower, right? They have bloomed or they're coming up like weeds, but I didn't see it before. It's, you know, when you you stop driving a car over the concrete Uh for a couple days or a week or a month, and all of a sudden you start to see the weeds popping through and they're already going through the concrete. That's what I feel with friends that the weeds popped up. I'm like, Ooh, I never, I never thought you were a weed. Yeah. I thought you were a flower. Okay. Yeah. You're cut. Oh yeah. You're a flower. I never saw you before. I didn't know you were a flower. Oh and the gosh. friends that really, you know, were there, which I never mm-hmm. would have thought in a gazillion years that that would have been the friend or friends that would have been there. Yeah. And so that was pretty cool. Yeah. That's been crazy for me. And that's a beautiful segue because I had a friend that I, you know, I met her like a couple of times before I moved and she was like wanting to be my friend, like so badly before I moved to San Diego. She was like, she was like, and it was a lot for me. Cause I was, I was on this kind of feeling of like, okay, well I'm moving away from friendships. I don't have the time in the space right now. And I'm telling you, this girl has become one of my better Aww. friends in this pandemic. And it's, it, it's just funny because she like, you know, obviously forced, forced it on me, but yeah, right. you know, but she, but she's been there for me, a friend that I had in college that like, we never hung out, but we were always at the same house parties. I talked to her like at least once a day, but the people that I used to be super close with, gosh, I just feel like that they, they the conversations, the time is so much more fleeting. Like I don't hear from them as often. And, Mm -hmm. but I'm I'm not offended by it. We're all busy. We're all doing something different right now. You know, like not everyone can just sit on zoom calls all day, but also it's, it's been interesting to see who has fallen by the wayside and what has bloomed. So like I met these two girls, Angela and Shelby, their spouses at a happy hour where we like we, we all went to this happy hour, like in November of last year or something, or maybe it was like, well, it doesn't matter. It was like last year. And I, we were adding all of each other on Facebook and then pandemic hits and we're like, Hey, remember that happy hour we went to? You were cool. And you were cool. Hey, let's talk about how much this sucks. (laughs) And we've been in this group chat for months now and we do a weekly, you know, very socially distant, Tuesday night dinners because each one of us has a husband that's here and then gone, you know? So, so it's been, it's been interesting kind of who has stepped up and who has fallen by the wayside. Um, and you know, I've, I've also tried really hard to not do that for others, not be a shitty friend. I don't want to be a shitty friend. Yeah. Interesting. Because it was, what I saw was, did I have friends that were circumstantial friends? Mm. I was only friends because we quote unquote did stuff together. So when we don't have stuff to do together, to go to a bar, to go to somebody's birthday, are you still going to be my friend? Mm. And that's what I know. Like, Oh, you were friends before because we did stuff. Well, and and I was still reaching out, you know, it's like, let's still have a zoom. And then they're not coming through. And I'm like, Oh, you would only come out because it was something to do. So that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. You can be on my zoom calls. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's definitely been interesting. Um, and that circumstantial friend, I have one friend example in particular. Um, uh, I had a friend that we only went to Disneyland together. That was our only thing we had in common. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then Disneyland shut and we, surprise, we're no longer friends. I realized just how negative she is as a person. And, and then I, and then I'm just like, 
man, okay. Like that wasn't kind of, you know, it kind of hurt my feelings a little bit that we had a falling out over me putting my dog down of all freaking things. And then her husband called me a dog murderer all over Facebook, which was really, really fucking rude. But it was like, okay, wow. Like you just showed me who you are in like two seconds and I'm not even upset about it. Bye. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Thank you for making that decision for me because I felt that we were no longer really hanging out or doing anything or contributing to one another's lives. So anyway, I could go on forever about that, but I think we've addressed the elephant in the room, which is of course imposter syndrome. So we can say sachet away. We don't need you anymore, girl. Um, so what, this is like, I love it. More of the, this is what I love to do is to get to know people based on things that they're fanatical about. Um, and, uh, I've, I've, I, I've always said that right now I'm very fanatical about like mail and getting mail, but I fully ordered a Mickey waffle maker and I forgot about it and it came today and I made it <laughs> and I made a tater tot waffle. That was my breakfast. It was, delightful. Yeah. it was delightful. And people were like, I, you know, it was funny because I, I sent, I sent a text message to my friends, Angela and Shelby. And I'm like, people, you know, people worry about me while my husband's gone. Meanwhile, I'm thriving over here with these Mickey waffles. <laughs> So yeah, that's what, life, that's what life is all about. That's happiness. That's fun. Totally. Uh, what is one or a few things you're fanatical about and why? Oh my gosh. Live music and concerts. Yes. And it sucks because I haven't been to a concert in five months and I'm like foaming at the mouth. I, you know, I'm in my early forties and I swear I go to a concert and I feel like I'm 16. I'm right there. Mm-hmm. And when I go, I want to be in the front. I'm yeah. with all, I'm in the pit. I want to be with everybody. Uh, I love when, because I guess I grew up in the grunge era when you weren't, it was very different. You know, I mean, I I love my Gen Zers. I love my millennials. And it's different when it comes to music in our generations. The way we went to concerts in the early 90s, everybody was on top of each other and you never took it personally. Like you could bump up into somebody, you can whatever. And everybody was, it was all one love. It was like a big Woodstock. And what I've noticed now, it's very, um, here's my space. Don't touch me kind of thing when we go to concerts. And that's the only thing that I have noticed that I am very Mm -hmm. fanatical about. So when I do go to concerts, I'm fanatical about, you know, oh, on a scale of one to 10, that concert was like a 10 because everybody was nice and everybody was uh, loving and I made friends with this person, I made friends with that person. And so I'd become like a concert connoisseur. So you can ask me anywhere. I know also how to get like front row tickets. Yeah. We even thought about doing a podcast on that, but. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So um, I guess I'll ask you, what was your first concert? First, I was seven years old and it was Michael Jackson yeah with the Jackson 5 he did it it was like his own and then he did the Jackson 5 yeah and uh, my mom got us tickets we were in the seventh row and see back in the day this was before computers and everything right Mm -hmm. so I'll never forget you had to go into the LA Times Mm -hmm. and you cut out a little piece of paper and then you would submit and mail in your check for the tickets and whatever ticket you got back was whatever ticket you got back. It was like a lottery. Okay. And this is how you went to concerts. You didn't get to choose, you know, I want section L or whatever. And 
I'm seven years old and my mom, oh my gosh, it feels like yesterday she opens up the mail and she's screaming. I'm like, what, what, what? She's like, oh my God, we got seventh row. And I don't know what that means. You know, I'm like, okay, cool. So seventh row, we're at Dodger Stadium in Los Angeles wow. and to see Michael Jackson. And so that was my first concert. So my first concert was Prince. And oh, I was on the floor. <laughs> no, um, oh. my, my parents don't like concert. My, my parents are just, I don't, I don't really talk about my family on my podcast, but there's a, there's a number of things that they just don't, aren't a fan That's of. And so, yeah, <laughs> so um, they're not super into concerts. They hated that I loved music because they never uh. like, took us to concerts as a kid. I loved live music. Oh, so cool. I, um, my first concert, my aunt was in Prince's fan club. My aunt oh. And because she was in the fan club, you could do a lottery for tickets um, on the floor. So this is the floor of the Pepsi Center. And that's not the first time I've been on the floor of the Pepsi Center. The second time was because I was in a lift video with Demi Lovato. And uh, she gave us tickets to her concert. And I was like an arm's length away from her and Nick Jonas. And you mentioned like kind of music can be... like music can be different generationally and like um, kind of, so I grew up in the boy band phase, Britney Spears, that's larger than life kind of thing. And so for me, like, I got to meet Joey Fatone at a Comic-Con last year, which he's part of NSYNC, and I sobbed. I was so happy, I, I cried. Yes. And, and my husband, like my husband paid $60 for me to get a photo with him. And it, the, the photo is him from the mass singer and it's sitting in my bathroom. I, yeah. I mean, it, just being able to see the people that you loved in your childhood, there's just this nostalgia that you'll never ever get back. And I feel so blessed. I was able to see Prince. It was 2004, the 2004 ever tour. Oh yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Mm-hmm. I was wearing, I mean, oh God, I have a photo of it somewhere. Um, but I was wearing, you know, like just the most 2000s outfit and just I had braces, purple tied braces. I was wearing purple eyeshadow. I was 15. And he looked down into the crowd and I'm not kidding, Joanna. He yeah. pointed at me during uh, a raspberry beret because I was wearing a purple newsboy cap and I, I came. Eat in your pants. I'm just kidding. I didn't. <laughs> but I mean, he was just, he was so magical. And when that uh, is, when your first concert is something so iconic like that, I mean, you never forget yes. it. And you're, you're, oh. you're also chasing that high because then you're like, oh, yeah. like I got to like see things again. It's um, a total high. Yeah, total yeah. High. Oh, oh my I, God. I do miss live music. And I wonder how that's going to be when it comes back. Because, I wonder too. Because like they can't fill shows as much, I'm assuming. So yeah, I wonder I if it'll slowly like, it'll be small venues and then go to big. It'll take how many years? Yeah. <sighs> yeah, interesting. But yeah. Like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I guess... Like for me, my last concert would have been Cher in Vegas, but she canceled last minute at the beginning of this kind of, what is coronavirus? Like, is this bad? Should we be worried? It was back into February and, oh, I was devastated, Joanna. She is bucket list. I have two bucket lists. Dolly Parton, I got to see her before she hits the button. Oh, and Cher. And Dolly Parton like quietly came to San Diego last year and I was pissed. And I found out about it like right after. I was like, dang it. She was playing Pachanga. Like that's, it would have been perfect. But I just saw this like documentary on her. Mm-hmm. I think it was like Hulu or something, a two hour. Oh, it's so good. Of, you know, Dolly. Love her. Yeah. You could listen to Dolly Parton's music forever and never get through everything she's ever written. That woman is right? a savant with music and she's a yeah. saint. Yeah, totally. Yeah. If you're into podcasts, I'm not sure. Have you listened to, um, have you listened to Dolly Parton's America? 
No, it's a really good series. If you're, cause I, I noticed that you, you know, like had mentioned that in this thing I'm reading that you like podcasts, it's a really nice series. It's like a nine, nine part series. And it's like just those. so interesting. Oh. I mean, there's just, you learn so much about her. You know what? She did talk about that on this documentary. Okay. She brought that up. Okay. Yeah. It's really good. It's really good. I I can't remember who produced it, but the voice is very soothing. Um, yeah. So unpopular opinions, we all have them. Um, like for instance, I just think that cantaloupe is just trash and it always brings its crappy cousin honeydew to the party. And I don't like that. Um, it's, I I grew up eating it, never liked it. Um, but what is one or a few unpopular opinions you have? (laughs) Well, uh, I'm going to change mine. I think I said something else, but I, you know what? My unpopular opinion is that I, I love waking up early in the morning. I'm yeah. that girl that loves waking up early in the morning. And what I've noticed is that that's not popular. What's popular is, oh, I hate waking up. I hate yeah. in the morning. Uh, that's like normal. But for me to say, I love waking up in the mornings. And Bianca, I'm dating right now and like dating during this yeah. pandemic has been interesting. Oh my gosh. You know what's really interesting is dating these guys and telling them when I'm a morning person, it's almost like a deal breaker. It's (laughs) weird. Yeah. Girl, it's like, what? Because I've been with this, and this is even like years, years before a couple guys and I'd wake up early in the morning. I'm like, okay, I'm leaving or whatever it was. Right. And they would literally like get offended. You don't want to stay and cuddle. I'm like, no, dude, I get up. I go walking. I, I do my thing. And so I'm noticing that it's really unpopular it's they they think they take it personally which i who knows i mean guys but it that is very that's a whole freaking show right there about how um how people are either night owls or morning people yeah i um i can be both uh it just depends um recent more recently i'm more of a night owl just because I'm home alone, but my, you know, my husband wakes up super early for work. And so if I'm in a good routine spot, I'm up early, I'm, I'm on the bike and then I get stuff done if that's a good productive, productive day. Um, but, uh, overall, um, I kind of waver between the two. Um, but I do want to touch on your original one because same. (laughs) And, uh, I know that in dating, this is always a deal breaker for men. Oh my gosh. I used to, when I used to be dating, I would pull my red flag cards out really quickly because I had to, I'd be like, um, I don't want to, I don't want a wedding. And I think weddings are stupid and a waste of money. I want to elope. And also I don't want children. (laughs) And, and, and you would not believe the amount of rejection. Or you're not the one birthing the child. You're not the one that has to like turn my body into a minivan like that what so I've never I am a very maternal person but I have never ever 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 wanted a child agreed I'm very maternal I'm very loving everybody's like you'd be a great mom I'm so good with kids I'm like amazing I'm like the kid whisperer I'm like I just I yeah I just don't have that like urge to uh have a child and it is very unpopular. I think people are already over it now because I'm in my 40s, but like, you know, 20s and 30s, as I was telling people, it was like, why? And I would get the gasp and now I don't get mm-hmm. him anymore. But also, you know, that I'm not married yet in my 40s and I'm going, well, if I do and if I don't, you know, whatever. I want to have a wedding. I don't necessarily want to get married, but I would love to have a wedding. 
And to have that conversation, I think most women want a wedding. They don't really want a marriage. And, you know, that'll spark up a whole other thing. We all just want to party. Come on, girls. Get real. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I did, I did elope. I mean, I got, we got married. Uh, I was wearing yoga pants and we went to the courthouse. Nice. And, and I, we got <laughs> breakfast burritos afterwards. You know, that was... No, it was three years ago, but then we celebrated on the anniversary of our first date. We celebrated with friends, uh, with his family and some, some of our friends that pff, I don't think I'm even friends with any of these people anymore. Uh, <laughs> but we celebrated um, my dream wedding. So I did have a dream wedding. Um, are you ready for it? It was Elvis drive through, but particularly fat Elvis. But instead we got later years instead we got cocaine show pants tanned ass on clipped elvis but it hey. was amazing and i wouldn't change it for the world and it, it was better it was better that we'd already eloped it was better that no one could take that day from me i still got to ha wear a dress i still got yeah. to feel like a princess i still got to you know do do fun stuff when i was in vegas like you know it was fun but yeah, I agree with you. Like, I would, like, I, I think people, it would be better to just throw a party and, like, take away all of the traditional aspects out of it because they're just so expensive. Yeah. My last boyfriend, I was, he's like, I don't really know if I want to get married. I'm like, well, let's have a party. Come on. <laughs> I'm like, I want to be a princess for a day. Really, I don't care if we get married. He goes, that's, that's a possibility. I'm like, hell yeah, in my world, we can make up any rules you, you do want. Do whatever you want. But to him, again, it was like, I didn't even know that was a possibility. I'm like, see, because we're so, they're so yeah, conditioned that it's supposed to look like this and it's supposed yeah. to look like that. And my, yeah, yeah so. my husband, um, before I met him, I said, by the way, I do not want children. And he was like, that's an option. Yeah. Like I he didn't just, know. Yeah. <laughs> Bianca, and, I just was listening yeah. to a podcast. She was told that story. She's from Canada and she didn't know her whole life that that was actually an option. It's like she was really thought every woman had to have a child. Like that's just part of life. Interesting, yeah. huh? Yeah. yeah, it's interesting. But you know what? Like, I mean, I think that like it, it goes back to that thing, that conversation that we were having, where it's like sometimes people have children because they think that that will make them happy, mm. or that will save the marriage, or that will you know fulfill <sighs> the dream, and it's all going to be roses and butterflies. And and I, I'm just, I'm, I'm not disillusioned to that at all. I, I'm, yes. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm pretty happy with this money that I don't have to spend. <laughs> yeah. Bianca, the same thing. I was dating this guy and he didn't want kids, but then he changed his mind and, oh, and yeah. And I'm going, okay, wait, do you just want a kid because you're getting older and you don't want to be alone and blah, blah, fill in this, whatever it is. Or is it that you want to raise a human being and like create life? But I've never heard somebody say, at least to me, I want to create life and raise it and so that they could be a great person in society. No, I just, I wanna have a family. And I'm like, oh, I have a family, I have friends, you could be my family. So it, is it this illusion that we have to have people around us to make a family? And again, I'm not judging it, it's not to say what's right and what's wrong, I'm just curious and I'm asking questions of where mm -hmm. are we coming in order to have a baby? Is it to create, like birth a human being? That's how I see it. I'm like, oh my God, there's a human being that I'm going to develop into an adult. Uh, no, thank you. But yeah. I would like to adopt. I would love, love. I'm the same way. I'm the same way. I, I feel a strong connection to if I ever decided that uh, a child is something that I would like to do. I, I don't want to ever birth one. No, thank you. Yeah. I, I mean, I mean, getting an IUD <laughs> was painful enough. Uh, 
and and I you know I'm just I'm a you know I'm a puppies over kiddos person I mean you know my dog can poop on the, my puppy can poop on the floor and it's like well you don't know any better you're dumb you know like okay mm-hmm. like you know oh well but but the, you know but if I I would probably um vomit profusely if I saw a blowout happen <laughs> I wouldn't be able to do it so what's currently making you happy in the world given the pandemic watching the sunrise. I love watching the sunrise. Uh, I love creating right now, creating new things uh, with this podcast. I love morning walks. I love nature. God, it's like the small things that we're talking about Mm -hmm. that actually make me happy. You know, having this conversation right now and then feeling good. Like those are the things that actually make me happy. No, this has been a like delightful conversation. Honestly, you are a breath of fresh air. Like we have to be friends. You're just a very, very confident, (laughs) ecstatic person. I like that energy. Um, And I agree. Like the, what, 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 excuse me. What is actually making me happy right now, um, the one semblance of normalcy is I bought a zoo pass. And the San Diego Zoo is a very magical place. It is the most, I mean, I'm not going to say it's not safe. It, it is very safe out. It's, it's most, no, nothing indoors is open. Um, if you're an adult, you're probably not touching or looking in the glass. So you're probably fine. Um, there's hand sanitizer everywhere, but it has been just so nice to just go to the zoo and be outside in the sunshine and watch these little koalas and, um, you know, take a friend with me and wear them. And all you have to do is wear a mask. And they now have this thing called the hero keepers packed or whatever. And they sing songs to children about staying six feet apart and wearing your mask and washing your hands. And, and it's, it's the cheesiest thing, but it's like, so, so good. Um, and it's just, it's really been making me happy definitely. And I'm, I just, that's kind of where my head's at too. (laughs) It's the simple things. Yeah. Going to the park, but the zoo sounds amazing. Like as you're talking, I'm planning and plotting in my head. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, I'm glad that they're open. I think it's amazing that they are, um, they're open. SeaWorld's not, but I wouldn't go to SeaWorld anyway. So, (laughs) um, but you know, I, I, it's, it's like, it's like my happy place is Disneyland. It really is. And I will probably not get to go there within the next, you know, year or so. So, uh, and so instead I was like, you know what? Um, I've really been enjoying going to the zoo as my friends plus one with her kiddo. I was like, I might as well just buy a pass. So I bought a pass and it's just, I don't know why I didn't sooner because it is really like the keepers club pass. I have it's $255, $54 for the year. Um, I can get one person in at all times. Cool. Parking's free in the Escondido Safari wild park. I get access to both parks and it's just, I don't know. It's just nice. And then I know it's all going to conservation and I just, I don't know, it's just, it's really, I just have to say, shout out to San Diego Zoo. You are doing a great job. All right. Gosh, <laughs> I'm like plotting and planning. Yeah, I'm like two hour drive. That sounds really hella fun. We can go. <laughs> sounds fun. I'll take you. Okay, so um, we are coming towards the end of the conversation. Again, this has been so lovely, Joanna. You are amazing. Um, it has been fun. Yeah, so I always love to give the floor to my guests for my listeners so that they can promote whatever they'd like. So take it away. I have a podcast called Dance Your Life. If you're interested in listening to dance interviews and learning how dancers in Los Angeles function and how they get through and all their stories and tune into this podcast. It's called Dance Your Life with me, Joanna Vargas. 
subscribe, review. I would love that. And follow me on Instagram at Joanna Vargas Official. Send me a DM. DM. I'd love to talk to you. Not a demon. Oh, I love that. And as always to my listeners, everything's going to be in the description. And again, if you like this podcast, you're definitely going to like Joanna's. So go on over, find her where you get your pods and definitely listen, subscribe, spread the word. And if you want to get in touch with her again, um, all of that will be in the description, but it has been such a lovely conversation and I have really enjoyed it. Thanks, Bianca. I appreciate it. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Bye. Hey listeners, I wanted to share a special promotion for you from Dash of Pep. Dash of Pep is a clothing boutique that offers non-binary clothing that has fun prints that support mental health and empowering you to be your best self. In this pandemic, it is great to shop small and support small businesses like Dash of Pep. More than 50% of my wardrobe is from her adorable store. Robin at Dash of Pep has graciously given me a promo code for you to use at checkout. Use P-D-K-M-O to receive 15% off your order. Again, that is www.dash of pep.com and you can enter pdkmo at checkout to receive 15% off your order. This has been Please Don't Kick Me Out, a podcast about imposter syndrome. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, like, comment, share, tell a friend. You know, that's how I'm going to keep these stories going. Also, if you want to be a podcast guest, you can reach out to me at pdkmopodcast at gmail.com and we can get it set up. Thanks everyone for your continued support. And I look forward to, you know, connecting with you again next Monday.